You're listening to the Baseball Prospect Journal Podcast. Here is your host, Dan Zielinski. Welcome back to the Baseball Prospect Journal Podcast. I'm Dan Zielinski, founder and national writer at BaseballProspectJournal.com. You can find all of my work and MLB draft content at BaseballProspectJournal.com. I've interviewed over 60 of the top prospects in this year's draft class and will continue to add to that number as the months go on and as the draft approaches here come July. You can also find me on Twitter at DanZielinski3 and the Baseball Prospect Journal on Twitter at the BP Journal. This past week has been an exciting time for sports, not only baseball, but just sports in general. Obviously, the March Madness tournament has been going on, and it's always been an exciting time of the year when that's occurring, but especially this year with some really kind of unexpected teams making it to the Final Four and then San Diego State and UConn making it to the national title game. But besides college basketball occurring, obviously the big news in baseball is opening day. Just this past week, opening day was here and the Major League Baseball season got started. At the time of recording this podcast, teams have played four or five games in the regular season, and it's been fun to watch the teams kind of get going and also see these new rule changes go into effect. I think most people obviously paid attention during spring training to kind of not only watch some baseball, but to see these rule changes and the impact they would have. But I think once the regular season started, I think that's a completely different story because we have the best guys on the major league roster and these games matter. So any automatic strike or ball call could impact the game. So seeing in real life and real time, how these new rule changes impact the game is something I've definitely been watching. And to me, when the rule changes first were announced last year, I was against them. I enjoy major league baseball. I enjoy watching baseball. And to me, the rules were fine. Sure, games were a little lengthy and sometimes difficult to watch because of that. But overall, the product was a quality product on the field and something I enjoyed. But so far, I know it's only four or five games into the season, but I'm enjoying these new rule changes. And I'm really enjoying watching Major League Baseball because of the impact these changes have had on the game. And I think overall, the changes have been phenomenal for the game of baseball and only will help the popularity of the sport grow. I want to get into some of these rule changes and just my overall thoughts on the impact they've had currently and the impact I think they'll continue to have throughout the rest of the season. I also want to get into talking a little bit about the Milwaukee Brewers and so far their start to the season and some of their young guys, their young prospects that have been called up to the major league roster and the impact they've already had and the excitement they've brought to the ball club. Let's first talk about the new rule changes and kind of the impact they've had on the game so far. It's interesting seeing some of these numbers against last year's numbers and the difference and impact the new rule changes have had. Through the first four days of the MLB season, there were 50 games played. Last year in 2022, 49 games were played, so it's a pretty even comparison in that regard. And one thing that stands out right away is time of game. And so far this season, games have been 2 hours and 38 minutes. Last year, they were 3 hours and 9 minutes. 
that's a huge difference. That's 31 minutes shorter this year for games. And I think it's really been noticeable, frankly, with the pitch clock and the pace of play overall. I don't even notice the pitch clock. I started off in the first couple of games kind of watching it, seeing how hitters, pitchers would react to it. But now at this point, only a few games in, I'm not even paying attention to it and just enjoying the pace of play. I think it adds a level of excitement. There's constantly kind of action. Instead of waiting 30 seconds or 40 seconds for a pitch to be thrown because guy's adjusting his batting gloves, he calls time once, the pitcher steps off once, we're just getting the ball, pitcher's throwing it, batter gets ready, pitcher throws again, and cycle keeps on going. And I think it's really helped the product. I've enjoyed watching it. I think it's been a lot more enjoyable to watch because you have to constantly pay attention because otherwise you're going to miss a pitch and you might miss a home run or a base hit or something like that. So you really just have to keep your eyes on the game because the pace of play is moving so much quicker. And really, we haven't seen big impact in terms of automatic strikes or ball calls. On opening day, there was 14 pitch timer violations. Really, that's not many. That's almost one per game. And I think that number is going to decrease as the season moves along. Pitchers, hitters, they're going to get more used to these rules, what they have to do, and the expectations for them. But really, 14 in general, that's not many. That's really not even noticeable, even if you are paying attention to the game. It's been interesting, too, to see how quick some of these games even move. On opening day, for example, the Rays defeated the Tigers 4-0. to That game only was two hours and four minutes. I remember covering Brewer games, and it always seemed like the expectation was for a three-hour game. And if it was anything less than three hours, that was considered a quick game. And now, two and a half hours is kind of the expectation, or just a little over two and a half hours, is what you can kind of expect for a Major League Baseball game. And I think that's ultimately going to benefit Major League Baseball and its audience. People want to see action. They want fast pace. They want to be drawn to something. They don't want to be sitting there for four hours watching a baseball game, whether that's in person or on TV. So whatever you can do to create more action and excitement in a game is ultimately going to be beneficial and I think some of these new rule changes have done that obviously pace of play but then stolen bases offensive production are both up so far this year batting averages for players is up so far through the first four days of the season it was 245 last year through that same number of days it was 230 stolen bases I think is the biggest area we've seen changes from last year and previous years because of those slightly bigger bases and the shift or not being able to use a shift and also the rule on how many times a pitcher can throw over to first base. I think all those have culminated in more stolen bases, which ultimately adds more excitement and adds more intrigue. And I think overall you want to see guys stealing bases. I think the small ball aspect of baseball is an art. I think it's something that's fun to watch, even though people hate the idea of bunting and stealing because you potentially are giving outs away. I think this adds a different dynamic to the game of baseball that's been missing over the last couple of years, and that's stolen bases and trying to take an extra base to get in scoring position and try to 
get that runner home to get another run on the board. So this year so far through the first four days, runners have stolen 70 of 84 bases for an 83.3% clip. Last year through the first four days of the Major League Baseball season, it was 29 of 43 on stolen base attempts for a 67.4% success rate. So not only have we experienced 41 more stolen bases, but the success rate has also gone up in general too. And I think we're going to continue to see that moving forward. I think you're going to see a lot of stolen bases. Some of these guys that have speed that maybe haven't stolen a lot of bases in the last couple of years, you're going to see stealing bases. And especially in today's game where everyone is really an athlete for the most part on the field, I think that's going to be fun and fascinating to watch to see how different teams use stolen bases and that strategy to kind of help and add a little to their offense too. So another great change in my eyes that has added some excitement. Ultimately, Major League Baseball's goal was to shave off time from games and add more offensive excitement and production and also just overall action in the games. And so far, they've accomplished that. And so far, it's all been positive reviews and something I've really enjoyed. And we've also seen it's not the offensive gains aren't players hitting more home runs. It's players hitting singles and occasionally doubles. The lack of being able to use the shift, all the infielders having to have their feet on the dirt instead of being able to go into the outfield grass has allowed for some holes in the infield to allow guys to put the ball in play and get on base, even if it's just a single, which ultimately then allows guys to maybe steal a base, get into scoring position, and increase run production for a team. Teams are going to run more. The success rate is going to end up coming down a little bit. It has to. No way can runners be over 80% successful this entire season. But early on, it's definitely fun to watch. And it's going to continue to be something to watch throughout the rest of the year and definitely adds a whole new element to the game of baseball. So, like I said, I wasn't for these rule changes when they were first announced. I didn't think it was good for the integrity of the game to make these changes and impact kind of the way baseball had been played for so long. But now seeing them in action, I'm enjoying these rule changes and I think will ultimately be better for baseball. Baseball is a sport that has struggled with its audience. It's lost viewers over the years. And I think it's really struggled to capture the younger audience. And these rule changes will help regain some of that audience Baseball still has a lot of work to do when it comes to growing the game, growing the audience in general, but they're definitely trending in the right direction. Baseball still has to figure out a few things. So far, revenue sharing and teams tanking still are kind of a problem when it comes to smaller markets and just the overall competitiveness of the sport. So that's something they still need to figure out. And I think marketing is another area Major League Baseball has obviously lacked on for quite some time and needs to do a better job of improving. No one knows who the best players are in the sport. The World Baseball Classic helped a little bit with the general fan getting to see some star players, but Major League Baseball needs to do a better job of marketing its star players. We need to be able to see and know who Mike Trout is or who Shohei Otani is, what team do they play for, what makes them special. 
People know Aaron Judge for the most part because he's a Yankees in New York. People know Shohei Otani, or at least the guy who's a two-way player that is a really good pitcher and hitter. And But besides that, I don't think some of these other guys are as big as stars to the casual fan as they are to people that follow the sport. So baseball is definitely improving its trajectory of the sport and its growth of fans based on just improving the time of play in the overall action and offensive production in the game. But it definitely still has work to do, and I wouldn't be surprised to see baseball improve on those areas as we continue to move forward. One thing that's kind of surprised me a little bit early on this season is the Milwaukee Brewers. So far, they're off to a great start. The Brewers are 3-1 and one through their first four games of the season. They won the series against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field, and then they won their home opener against the New York Mets, winning the home opener by an impressive 10-0 victory. They really dominated Carlos Carrasco and had a lot of success. But I think one thing that has stood out about the Brewers is offensively the success they've had. You expect the Brewers to have quality pitching. They've got Corbin Burns. They've got Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer in the starting rotation. They've got some quality bullpen pieces, obviously, most notably Devin Williams at the back end. But their offense, to me, was the biggest question mark going into this season. It's one of the main reasons why I don't expect or didn't expect going into this season the Brewers to make the playoffs is because I don't have faith in their offense. But early on, the results have been positive, and a big reason for that is the younger players on this roster. Garrett Mitchell, he's off to a little bit of a slow start. I don't want to say that's expected, but you expect younger guys to struggle and Garrett Mitchell doesn't have a lot of major league experience. He obviously was called up last season and got some playing time, but he's still a young guy. He's not known as a power hitter by any means, but he definitely has to do a better job of putting the ball in play and getting on base. But Bryce Terang, the Brewers starting second baseman, has played extremely well. He made the opening day roster and has done a phenomenal job at the plate. And then Joey Weimer got called up pretty much right away after opening day because Luis Urias, the Brewers' third baseman utility player, suffered a hamstring injury and could be out for two months. So the Brewers called up Joey Weimer, and so far he's had some success in limited amount of playing time. He's played in three of the four games. Getting 10 at-bats, he's hitting 300. But like I mentioned, Bryce Terang has kind of been the story of the first four games for the Brewers. Against the Mets, he hit his first career Major League home run. It was a grand slam, and he's done a phenomenal job at the plate. He's one of two Brewers with a home run this season. The other is Brian Anderson, third base right fielder for the Brewers. But Terang, he's looking good so far. I know I was a little maybe critical or hard on him, before the season started, but so far he's impressed me. In his four games, he has five hits and 10 at-bats, one double, one home run, five RBIs. He's drawn three walks and only struck out once. He also has stolen two bases, so he's really been a well-rounded player so far this season, and I know it's early and he's a young player and you expect him to go through some lulls throughout the season, but early on, the results have been positive for Bryce Terang. And if the Brewers want to compete this year, they need guys like Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang, Joey Weimer, 
when Sal Freelich gets called up, him, even William Contreras is still a young player, the Brewers backstop. They need guys like that to produce and produce at a high level to help this offense because you don't know what you're getting in Christian Yelich. He's been inconsistent since he was an MVP all-star level player. And then Rowdy Telez was probably their best offensive player last year, but he's not been a guy who's been a consistent, reliable producer really until last season. So he's still a little bit of a wild card. Jesse Winker is a guy I expect to be a productive hitter for the Brewers in the middle of their lineup. But again, they don't have big superstar players in their lineup. So these young guys need to supplement some of those unknowns and help produce for this lineup if the Brewers want to compete for an NL Central title and eventually maybe into the postseason if they get that far. So these young players are the ones to watch for. We'll see if Garrett Mitchell can kind of get it going here sooner than later. But right now I think it's it's a great sign to see Bryce Terang and even Joey Weimer since he's been called up to produce and have some success against Major League Pitching because the Brewers are going to need them moving forward. I thought it was interesting too. Brewers owner Mark Antanasio spoke to the media before the Brewers home opener. And just a couple takeaways from that. He said the Brewers, even though their opening day payroll is, I believe, $12 million less than it was last year, the Brewers continue to kind of push their limits and are always willing to spend money and want to obviously leave some room for flexibility for the trade deadline, but that they're really pushing kind of their chips in and they're trying to be competitive, even though a lot of fans continue to criticize Mark Antanasio for being what they call cheap. But kind of Mark Antanasio said he's doing everything he can to kind of compete and put money towards this club. I disagree with that statement, but I'll take him, I guess, at his word. I don't know. But, yeah, so Mark Antanasio talking about money is never something you want to hear. And then he also said he hopes the Brewers resign at least one of Brandon Woodruff, Willie Adamas, and Corbin Burns, all guys who are eligible for free agency after. Next year, he obviously admitted that it's going to be tough because all three of them are really talented players, but that his hope is to hopefully get a deal done with some of those guys. I don't buy that either. I think all of them are good but gone. I think Brandon Woodruff's maybe the most likely guy to resign because I think he's going to be the most affordable. Corbin Burns just hired Scott Boris to be his agent. So I don't see Corbin Burns ending up back with the Brewers because he's going to want kind of a record setting or a really good contract for a pitcher. And Willie Adamas is a young shortstop. Teams are always coveting quality hitting shortstops. So he's going to get his money too. And kind of hinted at that during spring training that he'd like to stay in Milwaukee, but he knows he's not going to be cheap either. So those are kind of the highlights of Mark Antonacio's conversation. He talked about the ballpark and Craig Council's contract as well, but payroll team flexibility, team roster construction were kind of the highlights of that. And we'll see. Talk is somewhat cheap. We'll see what the actions are of the organization throughout the year and even going into next offseason. But 
Right now, the season's underway. The Brewers are off to a great start. Some of their younger guys are playing well. And if that's the case, it could be a really exciting summer in Milwaukee. I think the new rule changes are going to ultimately benefit baseball. They're going to benefit the Brewers for sure with a lot of their young guys being terrific athletes and having some speed. So I think that can only help them too. So that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition. I just wanted to give my thoughts on the Brewers and some of these recent MLB rule changes and how they've impacted the game so far. I'm going to get back to talking draft and interviewing draft prospects, reporters, other people associated with the draft in the coming weeks and months. You can obviously find all my draft content at baseballprospectjournal.com. Over the last week, it was a little slower. I was on vacation, but definitely will be ramping up the coverage again now that I am back, getting more draft profiles out there as well as some analysis pieces, some live looks at some Wisconsin guys and maybe some Midwest guys too. So stay tuned to BaseballProspectJournal.com for all your MLB draft and prospect needs. You can find me on Twitter at DanZielinski3, the Baseball Prospect on Twitter at the BP Journal. I'm Dan Zielinski. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Baseball Prospect Journal podcast, and I'll talk to you next week.